Good morning, afternoon, or evening, wherever you are in the world, and welcome to Death by Pod, the pod where horror is the only subject. My name is Matt Hudson, and I'm telling you right now, if I'm a demon, then my co-host is the devil herself. It's Elizabeth, aka Bloggy Balboa. How you doing, mate? Oh, well, <laughs> I'm alright, thanks. How are you? Yeah, devilish, not bad. Yeah, thank you very much. Enjoying Tuesday evening, mate, but uh, what did you have for your dinner today, by the way? What did I have for my dinner? I had a reduced quiche from Waitrose. Was it quiche Lorraine or? It was um, it was like a goat's cheese and sweet potato sort of affair. She sits over her nose in the air. This time last year on the pod, she probably would have eaten like a half-day-old Big Mac or something. But now it's <laughs> quiche from Waitrose. Reduced quiche. But the problem was was that I couldn't freeze it, so I had to eat a lot of quiche this evening, and I'm quite full up. And I ha- and I had some Morrison's basic sweet corn. Ooh, I suppose you got right. you got to have the the, the uh, rough with quality. Waitrose, yeah. Morrison's basics. Then again, sweet corn is sweet corn. There was highs and lows in my dinner tonight, but um, oh, oh, it came together quite well. How about you? What did you eat? Oh, um, I had a toad in the hole, which served two and was actually massive. But I didn't realise I served two at the time until I plopped it out into the oven. And, oh, and, well, yeah. Then I made some mashed potato, probably about for a family. Again, I can't measure how many potatoes you need for one person. So I overindulged. But if anything, it's actually made me ready for this now because I'm sitting there literally in like some sort of like food zen, ready to talk some horror. So shall we? We shall then. What are we talking about today, mate? We are talking about Hereditary. That film that we all love. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It was directed by Ari Aster. It's got Millie Shapiro, Tony Collette, Alex Wolfe and Gabriel Burns. Burn, burn. Burn. He did as well in this film. Um, Burn, baby burn. (laughs) Funny fact about this film, and it's not going to blow your socks off, but the directed by Ari Aster. Last episode was Crawl, directed by Alexandra Arja. Yeah. It's that director alliteration, the double A's. <gasps> that well, my socks have been blown off. Yep. They're on the other side of the room. Yep, I wonder what that smell was. But I'm t- <laughs> double A's, both films. So next week, we're going to have to try and find somebody else with two A's in their uh, first and surname. So yeah, Her- uh, Hereditary, 79.3 million bucks off a $10 million budget. Again, safe to say it did fairly well. It was A24 uh, distributed this film and... This is actually this went pretty mainstream for one of their films because their films are, for want of a better word, generally quite fucked up. Uh, and Hereditary yeah. is kind of no different. So before we find out what we thought about it, what's it all about? What's it all about? <laughs> are you gonna? <laughs> I feel like we've done this before. The joys of editing. All right. So, what's it all about? I'll tell you what it's about. <laughs> Did you write this synopsis, by the way? <laughs> Well, no, this time I just went on Wikipedia because my synopsis wasn't good enough. (laughs) So it won't be funny then. So, well, okay, so it's about a woman called Annie Graham who's a miniature artist, and that doesn't mean that she's a small artist. (laughs) It means that (laughs) she's dick. (laughs) (laughs) It means that she's an artist of miniatures. And uh, they have a 16-year-old son called Peter, and they've got what Wikipedia describes as eccentric... I'd describe her as fucking weird, but she's, yes, 13-year-old daughter called Charlie. Yes. Her mum dies, Anne, Annie's mum. Annie's mum dies, grandma dies, and the whole family just goes mental. And that's hereditary. 
basically it, yeah. So the eccentric daughter, who's basically is a few cakes short of a fruit. Yeah, uh, well, that was a very good synopsis, and I'm glad that we cleared up the miniature artist bit early. <laughs> because as soon as you said it, I was like, ha but you you beat me to it. That's pretty much it, yeah. The, 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 what's it called? The matriarch, that they call it, the family. She dies. Um, everyone call, um, everyone's dealing with it different ways. Annie Graham, who's played by Tony Collette, she then starts to like, uncover the truth behind like, her mum's life, that she's part the head of, or the queen yeah, of this like weird like, devil-worshipping cult, yeah. which, of course, she had no idea about. So, yeah, and Hereditary, is that... I wasn't sure about the title, because last week we, we cleared up what crawl meant. Hereditary, is that the kind of, like, the st- the cult... St- we're just going to dive straight into it, guys. Spoilers for the whole film. We haven't seen it. Sorry. But, yeah, Hereditary, <laughs> is, is that, like, the cult's status or legend being passed down through the family? Or is it, like, the mental illness, which... Ariasta goes like proper deep into in this film. Is that what getting passed down? I don't know. I think for me, it was the it's more the the trauma that you inherit off your family mm-hmm. because like um, the whole time Annie's kind of getting really worried that she, because of how she was with her mum that she's not going to be a very good mum and she starts to talk about all the fucked up things that her mum did to her and she's clearly starting to do them as well and. Gabriel Burns constantly being like, think about Peter, like what's that going to do to Peter? And Annie doesn't really. So I think it's more about the inherited trauma. Also, on a side note, the inherited devil that has been put inside you by your grandma. But I guess because she she's the one that puts the devil in all the kids, so it could kind of be viewed to the left and be like, she started the trauma off, like the buck stopped with her kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because her Tony Collette's character, her brother, committed suicide. If I remember rightly, because the grandmother was trying to put "quote unquote" things inside him or people inside him. Yeah. So um, he committed suicide. So yeah, it's a, it seems maybe it is that maybe it, maybe that's hereditary. Is the fact that yeah, they're just passing down this unseen seed of the devil, which sounds mental. I think Ari Aster does a fairly good job to start with of covering up the film's intentions because the first hour maybe the first maybe first 45 minutes of the film doesn't make me think devil worship didn't make me think that at all no it's very strange i mean from the trailers i thought that it was obviously the sister charlie that was going to be the problem you know i thought that she was going to be yeah the evil one and then i you know obviously then watching the film you realize that charlie actually isn't in it for that long and then I was like, oh, okay, so Annie's nuts. Like, this is, that's the point. It's Annie. Annie's the problem. Annie, are and you then okay? I thought, Annie, Annie's not okay. Mm-hmm. Like, I can tell you that right now. <laughs> As she came into the window, <laughs> her head. No, 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 no. <laughs> As she floated into the treehouse. <laughs> oh I forgot her. But anyway, that's the end. We're right at the beginning. We've still got that joy to come. Yes, yes. Yeah. Stay on target. It's, it, he does a good job at, at hiding his true intentions for mm-hmm. this film, whatever they may have been. Right, obviously we're... I, I don't know where we sit on the size of the fence here, because I, this was only, I, I re-watched this today, as I know you did. You literally just finished watching it. So I, yeah. I, I believe I'm right in saying we've both seen it twice now, but about a year or so apart of, uh, of each screening. What I can't remember your initial impression. I think you seem to remember mine. But what do you think of this film? Did you actually like it before we go diving right into it? Um, no, I don't like mm. it. And I I really want to. Like, and I think there's so, it's so like pregnant with possibilities to mm-hmm. be such a good film. And, you know, Ari Aster is great behind the camera. He knows what he's doing. Mm-hmm. He, 
but the payoff is just so crap. You end up just feeling like, well, I've just watched this family go through grief and I'm not, I've not even been rewarded with a good scare at the end. It's just, um, it's very kind of like seventies, you know, witchcraft type of movies, like witch hunter general or whatever it's called. It's just, it was just weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. Um, I did enjoy this film. Not, it's not a film which I would consider a, like a, 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 something I can watch on repeat viewing. So I watched it again today, like I mentioned, and I I enjoyed it without enjoying it. If that makes any sense, I think yeah. partly for the reasons you said, what Ari Aster and his team can do with a camera and with framing and by telling a story in that sense, visually and technically, is incredible. And I think he did. I think he did the same on Midsummer as well. But for this film, no, I thought it was okay. I have not. But yeah, that ending. I mean, how, I, in hindsight, I don't know how the hell they could have ended it, but they could have done it a lot better than that. But I know we're going to get on to that. But I think for yeah, the first half of the film, or the, I said not even that, the first two thirds even, I think mm. are fantastic. I really do. And a lot of that is down to the the performances. And again, also like the, techni- the technical ability that Asta shows, like some of the framing of the shots and how he connects that with um, the doll's house uh, metaphor and all of that. I think really works, but once you get towards the end and it sort of turns more into a contemporary horror, then it falls apart very, very quickly. Question mm-hmm. I've got to ask is, when you saw it in the cinema, what was your audience like? What was your crowd? How did they react to what was going on? Um, I mean, we had a couple of kids behind us that kept doing the thing a lot, oh, yeah. which was pretty annoying, but I mean, that was it. To be honest, I nobody jumped, like nobody screamed. I was just saying that when when it ended, I kind of went, "Oh, you've got to be fucking kidding me!" And people were going, "Shh!" Like because I was getting like I was getting a little bit irate, to be honest, because I, I never go to the cinema, yeah, and right, now Bobby. I've gone to the cinema, and this is what you've presented me with, <laughs> like <laughs> really shit horror film. But yeah, like people just seemed to be uncomfortable. They didn't like they weren't scared. Mm-hmm. They were just like uncomfortable. I think I mainly mentioned it because it's probably the worst experience I've had. I've mentioned this before in any film, in a, watching any film, there was the for the first, yeah, for the first like, third or two, you know, people were just watching and they occasionally maybe gasping at a few of the things that happened, but nothing out of the ordinary. And then yeah. as it started to get like weird at the end, but not like good weird, but kind of like the fuck's going on, kind of weird. There was this like, one or two guys who were just literally just bellowing at the screen. The whole time, like especially when she starts floating around during it, she's like, "What?" They're literally like, oh, "Are you fucking kidding me?" And laughing and throwing stuff, and and everybody Jeez. else in this, and everybody else in the cinema was started laughing with them. And I thought, I kind of agree with you, mate, but I still would kind of like to watch this. So today was actually the first time I got to see it without any kind of distraction like that. And yeah, the payoff didn't wasn't any better for sitting and studying it. I get what Asta was going for, kind of, with that mm. ending, but I just thought. Some of the way, uh, some of the way he pulled it off, he executed it was, uh, yeah, it, it wasn't great. But for a first time f- uh, full feature, I thought he did a bloody good job of hereditary. Yeah, yeah, for like a you know like a first movie kind of thing. That's it. The the, the shots and the way that he that he did things was kind of it, he went right back to the old days again when you see like proper early on Hitchcock where he's using film sets like a theatre set yeah, so yeah. you can see people walking up the stairs which is something that everyone thought was really masterful because he'd been over to like I don't know I can't even remember where now he went to like Germany or mm-hmm. somewhere and studied theatre 
and a lot of Astor's shots are obviously done not only to, I mean, the fact that Hitchcock used them a lot is it does make you feel like you're watching someone being watched. If that makes it's like yeah, this yeah, massive yeah. voyeuristic Boy, uh, thing, yes, yeah. yeah. Um, but then I think as well. I found that every shot kind of forces you to look at something that you don't want to, but not in like, oh, you know, he's making it. It's not like the ring where you have to watch someone's fingernail get pushed out. And it's <laughs> you're just looking at a wall or a tire or he lingers too long following. There's a bit where um, uh, he goes into his bedroom and it the, the shot tracks him but it takes way too long to get around the corner was that alex Wolf, and you're like uh, peter yeah, yeah yeah and you're like what's around the corner what's around the corner and there's nothing there he's just gone into his room and i think that's what makes it so uncomfortable and so effective is the way that he he literally forces you to look at something that you don't want to mm-hmm. but it's not it's like your eyes are literally trying to claw around that corner to be like, what, what? And then the fact there's nothing there, it's just like you're on this constant state of anxiety, basically, the whole way through. Mm-hmm. That's what I liked about it. The audiences didn't because they gave it a D-plus cinema score, which is, frankly, horrendous, wow. absolute arse. But the critics yeah. loved it. And there's, I love that point because it's, it's, it's so pertinent because there's a bit at the beginning of this film where uh, Annie is going through her you know, deceased mother's boxes of stuff and she you know she looks at a few things puts them away like a book of spiritualism puts it away goes out goes to go out of the the room looks to looks across the room and her mother's just kind of like in the corner watching her which yeah. the first time i saw it you know scared the shit out of me and then yeah. she, she turns her light on and the image just you know it, it goes disappears in an in a contemporary horror film what would have happened then was we would have had some sort of loud, we mentioned this last week, some sort of like loud jump scare or something would have happened a few seconds later. So whereas you get that kind of, yeah. you get the first, the, the, the double whammy, you get the first scare of the mother. But so many directors nowadays then feel like they have to follow up with something else to really put you on the edge of your seat. But watching that scene, even again today, and I knew nothing came after it, but that kind of unsettling feeling that almost like I was waiting for something to happen, but it never did. And then when she walks out of the room, you're just like, Shit, that's actually scarier, the fact that it felt a little bit more grounded. And that's what I liked about this film. It felt grounded for quite a lot of the time. And it went out of its way, I think, to feel grounded. Yeah. I don't know whether that's to try and contrast just how much things escalate at the end or whether it's trying to show, because there's obviously the whole thing about external forces mm-hmm. controlling them and that she's got the she's got the doll's house because she wants to be in control. And there's a lot of things that's about right. her being in control and I just don't know whether that was as much as we're watching a woman who wants to be in control, we as an audience want to be in control as much as we, you know, we say that we want a good horror film, we want to be scared. We want these very rigid conventions. And I don't know whether it was that Ari Aster kind of said, OK, well, I'm going to give you that to a certain yeah, point. But, and then yeah. by by the third act, everything is just going to go insane. I mean, it was the whole film just as watching someone let go of control it was really it's really weird <laughs> yeah, that, that's the tagline for this episode it's really weird it's really weird but that's what makes it so disappointing because um i think tony collette i think was a hurricane in this film yeah i had it, I had it locked on that she was going to damn well win the oscar last year for best actor she wasn't even nominated which i think is i mean it's shocking i mean it? come on i mean yeah was it was it because she was in a horror film though ari Aster, doesn't like using that word. He calls it other things now. But it's a horror film at the end of the day. Oh, how she wasn't 
nominated because I thought think she was an abs- I think she was it's one of the best performances I've seen in years I think and how she dealt with that trauma and that grief only for it to kind of be pissed up the wall slightly at the end where she basically just saws her own head off and then that's yeah. it and then, and then I don't know I just think that when it was when it was grounded when it felt believable when it felt like a family falling apart and and the father Gabriel Burns character trying to kind of like hold it all together whilst yeah. not falling apart himself that is the, that was the most horrifying part of all of it and whilst there was some some bits at the end of the film which were a bit but like when she's on the on the wall in the corner just like in the shadow that yeah. is a creepy image but then when she started floating I did think what the fuck when it's grounded it works its best and the atmosphere you mentioned this film is just like stinks of atmosphere. It's brilliant how he does that, and it's one again one of the one of the films like horror things like conventions I want in recent years is just to have an atmospheric, creepy, nasty little horror film. And for the most part, this was it. I don't know if you, I don't know how it stacks up to Midsummer because I need to watch that one again. But for uh, but for this one, I think he did a lot right. There's still some questions or still some. I hasten to say, I don't want to say plot points. But there are still some things which don't quite add up. I mean, what we didn't like, let's chuck them in towards the end a bit. But what are some of the things you did like then, whether it was scenes, moments, character performances? Okay, so I obviously, yeah, big, big on Tony Collette's performance mm-hmm. in this. I think that it is by far like I think I think while well, yeah, she she didn't she didn't win an award for it, but I think it's put her name back in circles that perhaps it wasn't in previously. Mm-hmm. Like I she hasn't really done that many horror films, has she? Tony? I don't that? think she's done. It. She didn't want to. I know she didn't really want to do this film, to be honest, because it was a horror film. But again, yeah, and that's how Ari Aster sold it as a you know a family uh, drama, if you will, like traumatic family drama to get her on board. But she won pretty much every other bloody award. For, she was apart in, from the big apparently one. she was in the remake of Fright Night, so I guess she was the mum. Uh, I'd, I'd imagine she would be. I can't imagine who else would be. Yeah. No, I can't imagine. I can't. I can't remember that film. I blocked that film from my mind, but yeah, she's. I think it's. It was. It's the scene where. <laughs> it's the scene where um, they're eating dinner. Yeah. It's that that for me where she's like with the fucking face on your face <laughs> and you're just like oh my god this woman just there's nothing that she can't do is there yeah. like she, she makes everything feel so uncomfortable and. You know, the son's like, oh, mum, is there anything that you want to talk yeah. about? And you're thinking, dude, do just, not push just, just, this yeah. woman. Just, like, just eat your chicken, mate. Eat your chicken and shut up. And she it, she just explodes. And it's just, yeah, it's how hateful she looks as well towards her own son. Mm-hmm. I really, really like that scene. I think for me, that is that is probably my most favourite scene in the whole movie, is, is the dinner scene where she shouts at him. Yeah, she gets so much... I mean, she must have been like drained at the end of this film because he actually puts into it. But yeah, again, but that's it. This that's the perfect encapsulation of what this, the best of this film was. That scene when it's just three people at a table, and it's dialogue basically. It's a dialogue and it's mm-hmm. acting and emotion and performance rather than oh look, there's you know people's heads falling off or cutting pigeons' heads off and all that, which is fine. But um, yeah, that scene was <laughs> the way she just goes, "Don't you raise your voice at me, What's you it? little shit." <laughs> It's not fine. Can we just put that one? It's not fine to cut pigeons' heads off. It's actually really cruel. Yeah, well, well, okay. If anyone from Pet is listening, it was a throwaway com- uh, comment. But yes, in, yeah, okay. In terms of the film and how, what I wanted from it, that side of it, uh, I, I, is, I appreciate it better 
But this is what I want here. Yeah, this kind of stuff where it's yeah, the family drama and it's just, yeah, a family falling apart. And what Tony Collette brought to that was was out of this world. Yeah, and the way she just screams at him. And then when it's all finished, Alex Wolf's character, I forget, Peter, just basically then says, you do know that Charlie didn't want to go to that party, by the way. Basically saying, mm. because of you, she went to that party and you killed her. And she's, it looks like Tony Collette's going to just blast again. She's going to literally explode. And then she's just like, no. Uh, Peter, Peter, but Gabriel Burns' character says, "Look, this, that's enough now, guys. Come on, Steve. His name yeah. is. Let's call him what it is. His name's Steve. Steve, Steve. just says enough now, Steve. and that's it. But yeah, and you get that kind of lingering shot afterwards of the two of Steve and Peter at the table, and it's just like, wow. You do feel like you feel a bit grubby for watching it because it does feel like you're yeah. a fly on the wall. It reminds me a lot of um, that scene in Signs. Signs, go on. Um." You know where they're. He's like, oh, you know, we're all going to have our last meal. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's because it, it's to be fair, when you think about this film and you think about science, they're the same movie. Take away the 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 threat, mm-hmm. it, you know, obviously the threat in science is aliens, yeah, yeah. but it's it's an external force coming in and breaking up a family that's already going through trauma. They weren't a close family to begin with, were they? clearly no not not massively like and it's the same in in signs I, I think you know he he's not that close with his kids i think his kids kind of blame him for the mum's yeah, death yeah. or something there's, there's something like that going on but he cooks them all like a final meal and it ends up with mel gibson just screaming in these <laughs> kids faces and then eating all of their dinner <laughs> <laughs> it's like the funniest scene ever like one of the kids got macaroni cheese one of them's got like you know spaghetti and meatballs <laughs> that whacking phoenix has got like a steak <laughs> You know, and Mel Gibson's just like, why are you all crying eating your food? And the kids are all just like... He was so succinct and really detailed funny. and really, really thoughtful. And then suddenly, then Mel Gibson comes in and just tuckers all their nosh down. It came out of nowhere. <laughs> I can't remember what they say. They say something like, oh, you know, this would never happen if mum was here. And he's like, well, your mum's dead and, just, and we're Give all going to die. Steak. And just starts eating all of that food. <laughs> it's grief, isn't it? So people handle it differently. Oh, he's just really hungry. Yeah, but yeah, signs and I—I'm surprised that no one's done that. Actually, if someone's listening to this that writes things, don't steal my idea. No, yeah, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, it's copyrighted. DBP, Bloggy Balboa, Elizabeth's copyrighted it. Which well, this film's been compared to many others. It was labelled again as the scariest film we will ever see. Like, Since the Exorcist. Well, just of, just of all time, people were calling it of all time. But, you know, it's the scariest film we'll no. ever see, and that gets bandied around too often nowadays and that didn't help with the hype I don't think because there was a lot of hype going into this film but um, it wasn't by any means the scariest film I've ever seen it was a lot of impactful there's a lot of moments that kind of linger with you afterwards but that was yeah. It, yeah, there are there are other films and one of the ones that's been compared to is a film we just mentioned but also Rose, Rosemary's Baby as well which was that very slow very long drawn out horror affair but the difference which, is again, you, wasn't wasn't scary no either. but the payoff at the end i think was kind of like wicker man-esque you kind of got that gut punch at the end whereas this film didn't give that to me well no i mean you know if anyone is haunted by a floating tony collette then they really need to well just get out just yeah just get get in the sea yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> walk on the beach don't take your shoes off and just keep going. Yeah. 
but it, I don't know. It's just because you had there was all tweets, you know, when they were doing the advanced screenings. All these people were like, "Ah, oh, someone fainted," and like, "Ah, oh, someone had a fit," and they had to go to the hospital because they watched Hereditary. And I was like, "Shit, I'm gonna watch that movie. Like, I want to have a fit and go to the hospital." <laughs> yeah. Like, I can vouch in the cinema. What are you in for? I just watched a scary movie, didn't I? Like, I uh, how brilliant <laughs> yeah. I. It's a bit like there's a comedian that says, you know, like, oh, this film will stop you being uncomfortable in your own home. And it's like, well, I, well, I won't watch that then. Yeah. But it, <laughs> Pass on that, I think. I, yeah. want, I really, really want to be made to feel uncomfortable in my own home through a horror yeah, film. Yeah, I'm going to say. Yeah. yeah I mean, through a horror film. In your own I no, not like not that you know, like sit on my legs or something. No, but I want to be like, I want to be scared. And this is what we're saying. Just... Yeah, we want that kind of film which just isn't stupid and take this. It doesn't go like too far like this. one did at the end. But makes you feel like you don't want to leave your seat. Yeah. To be fair, the bit where she is like taking her own head off, though, I d- d- didn't like that. There was something about that that made my stomach go a bit, and I think it's Tony Collette's massive eyes. Maybe the sound as well, because the sound effects, the sound, the sound in this the film is brilliant. Real. But, it's, but yeah, yeah, how they, I don't know if they just basically got someone to like hacksaw some wood and then just add the other over the top of it, but. It's a nasty sound, but the sound work in this film is brilliant. Let's just talk about that ending rather than going beating around the bush because, I mean, at, at the end, it's when, we, when the shit hits the fan, basically. In a nutshell, Peter awake, Peter's finished smashing his face on the on his desk at school. Because, yeah, cause they've, had, they've had a seance, they've spoken to who they believe is Charlie, but what they've actually done is awoken this payment demon. So Peter, Peter's awake and Annie's like hiding in the corner of his room, which I think is a great visual because I didn't really see it the first time, even though when I watch it today, yeah. it's clear as day. And then Peter sees his dad charred and dead, Gabriel burnt. And then suddenly there's this, <laughs> suddenly this, here's this like creaking floorboard, which sounds a lot like a blow off. And there's this naked guy g- grinning at him from the corner. And that's when he starts to think, right, something's not quite right here. Annie chases him up the stairs. He ends up in the he ends up in the attic. She's banging her head against the attic door. She chops her head off. Where the mother's body was is now a picture of him and this cult um, symbol. More naked people appear. Peter throws himself out the window, dies, and then I'll let you <laughs> More take naked that. People appear. Yeah, you know, it's just as it is. Peter throws himself out the window and seemingly dies, and then like this light enters him. Then what happens? I'll let you take that away. Then uh, Peter kind of wakes up if it is really Peter. I think it is supposed to be that he's possessed at this point. Yeah, because you see a light kind of enter his body. Yeah, the light goes into his body and he opens his eyes and he sees headless Tony Collette <laughs> floating up into the treehouse. Um... <laughs> that bit was bloody terrible. I'm sorry, guys. Bad. Why they put? Yeah, it... You go through this whole emotional thing with this family, <laughs> and her. with your fucking face on your face, and then she just floats into the treehouse, and you're like, "Are you joking?" <laughs> You've heard of jumping the shark, and then there's headless Tony Collette floating into a treehouse. Should be the next one. Why didn't um, Steve float up there? Why didn't the 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 mother grandmother? Why don't she float up there? Why is it just Tony Collette? Could they not have just shown her in there, and we could have just been like, "Oh." How did she get up there? Voodoo. Rather than actually showing it. Yeah, because there was loads of times where, like, so when she when she's banging her head on the, what's it called? Loft loft door. Yeah. How does she get into the room? Well, yeah, exactly. Like, you know, so why, like, so what, she can teleport now? (laughs) And then she just, she, she cuts her own head off. And then she just floats. It doesn't make any sense. No. It it has it is actually really upsetting me. Just 
the fact that it was so it was ended so so badly it could have been and then there are all these naked people and aunt lydia from bloody handmaid's tale was there <laughs> yeah. She's really good in it, actually, because as soon as I saw her, I was like, you're a bitch in Handmaid's Tale, so... This is Anne Dowd, isn't it? I don't trust you, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's very good in most things. I just call her Aunt Lydia now. Aunt she Lydia. have an identity. But yeah, they just, it just ends so badly, and I can't, for the life of me, fathom why they thought that would be a good idea. And then the, the, when Peter gets up into the, the treehouse, mm-hmm. all the naked people... No, stubbies. Call him, call him, call him, <laughs> call him pa- Padwin. Yeah, Pad- Paymon, King Paymon, one of the eight kings of hell. Paymon, sorry, no disrespect to Paymon, the king of hell. Shout out to Paymon. Yeah, if you're listening. Um, and just, yeah, and then he's the king of hell and... Oh, he's got a load of naked disciples. I don't really understand it, to be honest with you. Because when you think, like, when you watch that ending and then you think, this started with some weird kid cutting the heads off of a bird and clucking, you you just think, okay, well, how... How did we get from A to B to C? It's like watching Game of Thrones season one to, like, (laughs) Game of Thrones season six. The first four seasons are very good, and then... Kind of fell apart somewhat. But I mean, there's, yeah. a, there's also a bit in Peter's room after, just right at the beginning when of the finale, when he wakes up and he's kind of thinking, what's going on? He turns he turns his back to where um, Annie is like, um, crouched in the in the corner, if you will. She she's ba- like, yeah, she's like in the rafters, isn't but, she? But then she does this kind of like, then she starts doggy paddling through the air as in floating. And that is also when I thought, oh no. And even watching it today, it's, it was worse than I remembered it being. Just kind of just sort of like, she starts like floating with doggy paddling in the air. I'm like, why is she doing that? Why can't you just show her like, I'd rather something even, even more unbelievable, like a walking across the ceiling or something rather than floating because... When, when does she float and doggy paddle? <laughs> I, will, I will send you the, a, a link to it. Or I'll send you a gif of it or something. It happens. Because I saw it today and I was I was flabbergasted. I was astounded. I was gobsmacked when I saw it. And then obviously she floats later on. And if, if this guy, if Peter's King Payman, one of the eight kings of hell, why can't he float into the treehouse? Why has he got to walk up there like a punk? He's got to walk, yeah. I oh, know. Why, why can't he just float up there? There's a few things. And then and then it ends, there's a statue with Charlie's decapitated head on. Um, all of the family are there, headless, naked, worshipping it. And then kind of it kind of ends on a similar shot to Midsommar. Spoilers, you haven't seen that. But what happens next though? What I mean, what happens immediately after that? Does Payman just go and, Brack everyone. Is he going to take over the world, or you know, well, I don't, well, I don't want to see it. a sequel, but I don't want a sequel. But you know what I mean? It kind of makes you think, like, right? Well, one of the eight kings of hell now walks the earth. Now what? Yeah, in human in his preferred human form yeah. as well. It's just all a bit because they um they reckon that the reason they're going to do it is to bring themselves wealth and riches. Right. But you're like, well, your DNA is going to be everywhere. I mean, you're walking around naked. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's not it's not hard to miss, but yeah, where's the money? Where's the wealth and riches coming from? Who's going to pay them? I don't know. I mean, like, just just how have do they know? Like, are they also going to factor in, you know, like conversion rates and stuff? Because what if hell if hell only deals in euros or probably pounds at this point? If it's going to be yeah. You know, it could, currency could be fucked over there. You try and convert that here yeah, with, with Brexit. Brexit. Yeah, of course, yeah. And with obviously what's the political uh, situation in the states at the minute? I mean, it's going to be 
And what happens if hell yeah. did freeze over? Would that cause a crash? I mean, what's going on? Exactly. I mean, I, I wouldn't put my finances in the hands of the devil just because <laughs> I don't think that he's very trustworthy. I think it would be like, you know, that bit on It's a Wonderful Life where he's like, the money's gone. <laughs> it would be like that, apart from the fact that the money wouldn't come back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, would, it wouldn't be a happy would ending. Yeah. Throwing himself off a bridge and be like, I let everyone down. The happiest of festive movies, <laughs> hereditary. Yeah. And then floating Tony Collette would save him. Singing. Like, don't worry, I'm your guardian angel. <laughs> yeah, that's right, yeah. There we go. I don't I just don't know what to say about this film. That's the so I mean the, that's the ending. The ending blue, basically, compared and if you if you're out there listening and you like the ending, let us know let us know what it was that you did like about it, because we don't want to sit here and crap on it and, you know, disregard other people's opinions. If you did like it, firstly awesome because that's the beauty of film secondly what what did you like about it what did, are we missing something or, or do you know what i mean what was what was it, what was it that was there that grabbed you to it i mean by the sounds but you both we both have heard majority of what came before it as well because that it just felt mm-hmm. it just felt better just didn't feel quite so frankly ridiculous and there were a few times i mean where like i mean how did how did the body get in the attic in the first place like it, oh, um, they, they bundled it up there didn't they oh did they yeah well, this, you would never notice a crowd of naked people with a headless dead <laughs> oh, God, body yeah. that they just now, yes. I just fell, walked straight into that. Yeah. God. No, yeah, I know. It was dark Tony in the house. Colette walks into a lot of things now. But <laughs> <laughs> <Ba-dum. laughs> Yeah, head's gone. Oh, God. Also, right. Annie tells Peter, Peter, to... Take Peter. Peter. I'm trying to be polite, posh here. <laughs> Annie tells Peter to take Charlie, you know, a 13 year old girl, to this party, right? She then basically says to him, I know there's going to be booze, I know there's going to be drugs, and God knows what else there. However, still take your 13 year old daughter. Why would you let the kid go with him if you openly admit that there's going to be, you know, stuff that they should, she shouldn't be seeing there? Sod that, let alone like nut infested cake. Yeah, well, hmm. might like as well. Also, if the brothers had to grow up with the fact that his sister's got a really bad nut allergy, you'd think that he wouldn't offer her chocolate cake. Well, yeah, you'd, 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 you'd least... you can't offer him anything, really, can you? Well, no, he was thinking with his groin at the time, but yeah, you'd at least think to sort of say, "Oh, by the way, has that got nuts in it?" Yep, yeah, no, you're not having it. Have to like have a sandwich or something. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, I think they're both to blame for this little girl's death. Well. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, because um, whilst the accident, the accident itself wasn't Peter's fault necessarily, what the actual swerve on the road, had he not been such an ass and let her eat cake whilst he was trying to, you know, get his end away, then none of this would have happened. Whereas, is if his mother hadn't have basically said, you know, palmed his palmed her kid off on him, this definitely would have happened. Yeah, I think um, she's got like a lot of guilt, hasn't she? I think that's, I think that's why that dinner scene's so good yeah. because it's kind of both of them both saying like. Yeah, we both fucked up. Like, we both contributed to this death in one way or another. And poor old bloody um, Peter, he hasn't, he's the only sane one out of the lot of them, isn't he? Steve. Yeah, he is, and he does a good job of that, Gabriel Byrne does. Yeah, Gabriel Byrne does a lot. You know, you just, you feel sorry for him, don't you? And whereas I don't, I don't, I feel sorry for Tony Collette, but I don't feel sorry for Tony Collette in the sense of I want to give her a hug. Mm-hmm. I just feel like, guys, isn't she going through a hard this time? Tough, yeah. yeah, it's not like, whereas Gabriel Byrne, I just think, oh, like, probably. He, nice he 
He's the only one of them that doesn't seem to actually be going through grief in any way. I like, know, oh, yeah, like, he's just kind of I like, guess he probably yeah. doesn't have time, but... Well, he's a busy man. I, that's what I liked about him. They kept that one character who was, you know, basically just thinking about his family first or his son. And even when they do the seance, he's like, I, don't, I have no interest in doing this whatsoever. And, yeah. and he has to beg him to do it. The bit where, obviously, before he gets becomes Gabriel Byrne, when, when he's <laughs> to throw the uh, book of drawings, which is kind of like manifested from the other world, into the fire... He's he look think you think he's gonna do it and he's like I can't not do this anymore with you this is this is this has gone through too far now I'm calling the police blah blah and of course uh, Annie throws him to the fire and I assume it's King Payman turns the tables and actually then sets Steve on fire when it should be Annie but had that scene not been in the trailer it would have worked better I liked it it's a it's a, it's a good scene don't get me wrong but it's in the bloody yeah. trailer I didn't see the trailers before the film so I was told not to but it was in the promotional images and then going back and watching the trailer to see what was so spoilerific about it i saw that scene i was like really i get it. i know in context with no context it could be anything but still a fairly big scene to put in the trailer yeah that was a bit i think there was a lot of like i mean because i remember that from watching it in the cinema was i was really shocked with the whole head i mean i, I can't believe we haven't we haven't spoke about that scene yet no, at I, all. Think, the I, head think, I think we're building i think we're doing a hereditary and just doing a slow we're doing build a... to it yeah <laughs> Blocky Esther. Sit there and be like, when are they going to talk about her head? We'll get our, <laughs> our ant-eating head. We're going to get we'll get our gripes out of the way first. We'll we'll switch it up this week on death death by pod. But so sorry, carry on with um, Gabriel Byrne. Gabriel Byrne. Um, I can't remember what I was. Yeah, it's just um, I think that there's a whole thing about the fact that payment's kind of lying dormant in the kid. So when those drawings come out, it's it's payment doing them mm-hmm. so then when he burns the book or when she burns the book it's to get gabriel out of the way because i think he's like he's the grounding he's the one that keeps her in check and he's the one that stops her because yeah. he stops her um he enforced the no contact with her mum when peter was born and yes. obviously it's peter that the mum wanted so gabriel's always probably been a sort I mean I just got the impression that her Annie's mum never liked Gabriel anyway well he's not part of the family or the bloodline is he I guess yeah yeah so he just kind of he got spared from having to cut his own head off and float up into a treehouse he's got burnt alive instead (laughs) (laughs) he got it easy actually compared to them he he didn't look stupid he looked looked kind of stupid with his little like claw in the air Uh, fair enough but at least he didn't float he didn't. He didn't deserve half of what he got in that film. Got no, yeah, that was the one which was like, and I use this word sparingly because I didn't cry. I mean, the saddest, if you know what I mean, because he was literally just trying to hold the family together. Protect. Even said he just wants to protect his son, and that's how he went out, like in the most like awful way. Because I couldn't imagine anything worse than being burnt alive. Yeah. Um, and again, even then, he was still saying to her, "Look, I'm going to call the police, or we're going to get help, or something. This has got to end." And then, yeah, look what happened to him. Maybe if he didn't, he wasn't set alive, set on life, set on fire. Sorry, what, set what, alive. Set alive. What could have happened had he not been burnt alive? So it asks a few questions. And we've mentioned Peter as well. Where do you stand at Alex Wolf's performance? Because I've seen mixed things about him. Well, well more positive than negative, but still mixed. It, and it's funny because you know, with that fucking face on your face. <laughs> yeah. That's just there's just something about his face because oddly enough I watched uh, they got Jumanji on Netflix, so I watched the Jumanji and I forgot I watched that there Jumanjis didn't I and I forgot he was in it, Um, 
And so, yeah, he plays the same part in Jumanji, pretty much. He's he just Jumanji. Looks, he's the he's the main guy. He's the guy that ends up becoming the Rock. Of course, yeah. Sorry. Mm. Yeah, yeah. But he he's kind of the same. He's the same. He's the same character. He he just he looks exhausted. This this guy all the time, and he acts like well that he's got some deep rooted trauma so he was really really good in hereditary but when you put that in jumanji it's kind of like oh <laughs> too far now mate yeah Where, right where's in. this video game gonna go like who is van pelt what's going on you know it's all that i don't know i in this film it's a very 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 good performance but i feel that from now on i mean he's never gonna be like the the rom-com guy he's no, no, never yeah. gonna I, I can't imagine him being in a comedy either I feel like he's very, very much only ever going to be in horrors and thrillers and maybe some, like, teen dramas. He's a bit like Dane DeHaan. It's kind of, he can do, like, the kind of one thing and, you know, people have finally stopped trying to make Dane DeHaan a thing now. Bless him. But, yeah, I thought, yeah, because a few of the people I know thought he was actually, frankly, awful in this film. Whereas I thought I thought he was good. There were some points where I didn't quite believe him, usually when he was crying. But, yeah, um, yeah, his crying was it, pretty bad. It really wasn't that good. But most of the rest of the time, I thought he was really good because, take it from me, I couldn't do any like one-tenth of the performance he did. So let's get that out of the way now. But I thought he was pretty good. But when, you're, when you've got someone like, who's as good as Tony Collette is in this film, everybody's going to pale slightly to her. Yeah. But, and I thought yeah. I thought Millie Shapiro was... I thought what she brought to the role for the 30, 35 minutes in it was... I thought she was good as well. She didn't have much to do apart from and like cut birds' heads off, but she had this kind of strange feeling about where we didn't quite know what she was all about. She was clearly weird, but <laughs> and she I thought she was gonna be the focus of the film, but she had this kind of ambiguity about her character. And I thought she did really well. I don't know what she's done since, but I think she was a theatre actress or before this. But I thought she was alright as well. She had that kind of like yeah. she had that unnerving look to her and I think they used prosthetics to make her look that way. I fucking hope they yeah, did now I, think... I said that. Yeah, no, I think they definitely did. <laughs> yeah, something, something in my head. I remember them saying they did that. I mean, what's wrong with that girl's face? Just <laughs> <the> <laughs> no, I, I do believe they did. No, it's okay. They definitely did. She, she doesn't. And, you know, she, obviously she put on the, the clucking noise as well. Yeah, she does talk normally, I hear, yeah. She does talk normally. I do, I do hear that she's um, pigeons stay away from her. <laughs> yeah, 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 she's got a restraining order against every pigeon in the world. If she could cut the heads off of an alligator, I know a film that she would have been really good <laughs> yeah. in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, okay. I thought she was all right in this film. Hold on to Tony Collette's legs and she'll float us to safety. Well, she didn't even cut her own mother's head off. No, she didn't. Uh, she should have done. Tony Collette would have been really, really good. You know that bit of Lord of the Rings where the eagles come down and pick up like Frodo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we've got these weird. What was last week's references? We got snakes on a plane in and something else. Now we have got Lord of the Rings into Hereditary. Yeah, I say well, we, you, me. Yeah, taking my spotlight. Sorry, sorry. You're always trying to stifle me, Matt. <laughs> Let your creative juices run free. <laughs> but yeah, no, I'm just imagining like, you know, like Frodo and Sam or Mount Doom, exhausted. Being carried Tony by Collette Tony comes Collette. down. 
And all the fans are like, oh, this is outrageous. They're always bringing Tony Collette in. <laughs> Tony Collette, yeah, she's like the deus ex machina. She, was, she wasn't even in it in the books. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, she just comes, she comes in, picks them up, takes them to safety, <laughs> bosh. Yeah. I'm an eagle. Don't you speak to me like that. <laughs> Don't you swear at me. You little shit, Sam. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and again, any with anyone can oh. uh, CGI Tony Collette carrying Sam and Frodo to safety, we'd be very much indebted. We've got. <laughs> It would actually make my day. The more I'm thinking about it, what are the films where things are flying that people hold on to? Tony Collette, the never ending story, or it's called yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that big thing in the sky. Bastion <laughs> uh, being like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, uh, Anchorman when they when they're having their dream sequence and they're riding on those unicorns, and she says, "Look, yeah. a rainbow. Do me on it." Then. Then that was a very specific moment in Anchorman. Yeah, yeah. If you if you fast forward to this timestamp, you'll find it. <laughs> oh yeah. There must be some bits on Superman. Of course, any superhero film. Christ, now I'm trying to think of of more now. Uh, but yeah, if you could find films where people float, that would be great. And not obviously it, but films where people float would be great. Yeah, they all float down here. They do, and. <laughs> Oh my god, what about up? He's got all the balloons attached to his hand. It's Tony Clett's face. <laughs> just her face mid scream. <laughs> oh god. With that fucking face on your house. Yeah. Ooh, that's my Photoshop done for tonight. Yeah, he's a girl. <laughs> <laughs> and also, this was off air, but we're also going to be getting in contact with Enya about something unrelated. But guys, listen out for our Enya collaboration coming soon. Oh, no, you, can, you can't just leave it like that. You've got to at least tell them what the Enya collaboration no, is. We'll, we'll tweet it out later on. Okay. All right, fine. Sweet. Um, yeah, we'll tweet it later on. But yeah, hereditary, off of, off, off of people floating on the back of Tony Collettes. Um <laughs> Oh god! What else? Oh, let's. What else did I like? I mean, there there was a lot of things I liked about this, but um, I guess let's talk about the the, the car scene because that's the film. That's the scene where oh, the wasn't, it was right. it was tele that wasn't telegraph. Things coming to a head. Oh yeah, <laughs> we don't want to get too ahead of ourselves talking about uh-huh. it. Um, but I mean, the nut allergy was the was telegraphed immediately. They pretty much said it almost straight away at the funeral. Like, has that chocolate bar got nuts in it? And then there was other scenes. And then when they get to the party, it's just like someone chopping a load yeah, of nuts. Yeah, someone's just cutting a load of... I mean, I've never been to a house party where some girl's been in the kitchen cutting up a load of nuts. <laughs> they were, they've been cutting something, but not nuts. Yeah, there was clearly something uh, illegal in that <laughs> cake as well. But So they've been, they, they've been playing the nut allergy. And then Charlie, who has a serious nut allergy, eats the cake whilst Peter is trying to woo his class crush with some um, drugs, basically, a, a fat-ass bong. So she basically, she, her, her throat starts closing up. She hasn't got an EpiPen. He's got to get her home. The, the, the actual moment where her head gets lopped off, I want to say it wasn't telegraphed. It wasn't before the film, because before the film, so when I first saw it, it was one of those kind of like, <gasps> moments. But re-watching yeah. it, there's a scene when they're on their way there, where on the lamppost, you can see the like the cult symbol like etched into the lamppost, and Ari Aster makes a point of yeah. actually showing it. I was like, I really wish I hadn't have done that because now you kind of think, hmm, that, that this this has got to mean something. But I didn't notice that the first time I saw it, and obviously what happened, we all know what happens. He drives down the road. There's a deer which is which is in the middle of the road. Some people say the cult did it, but you know, the, the, how did the cult feed 
Charlie nutcake. Um, and then he swerves that and she <laughs> smashes her head on that on the telephone pole when you get this horrible thud and her head is basically lopped off and we get that scene with Alex Wolf where I think in terms of holding a shot Ari Aster is he did this shot wonderfully where Peter is basically sitting on the side of the road it's just a tight close up of his face as he's trying to comprehend what the hell has just happened and he, yeah. he can't turn around you can see it in his face he can't he wants to but he can't turn around and it's just the utter shock um, of what's just happened all over his face and it's he's like us because for a lot of this film we don't know what's going on we're kind of, we're kind of following along with it with Annie but we are in the same boat as Peter then we're kind of like what the shit has just happened and <laughs> that yeah that scene in the scene that's the one that got everyone gasping and rewatching it today it's only like 35 minutes into the film I, I thought it was further in yeah no it's it's pretty early on mm. that his sister gets decapitated <laughs> It's pretty fucking strong, like yeah. yeah it that that's the, yeah. I mean, I thought there was there was a really good bit where it's like a point of view shot from him, and he's like goes to look in there, and that's what I mean. It, every shot forces you to look at something that you really don't yeah. want to look at because it's like I don't want to look at your steering wheel. I don't want to. I don't want to look at that little bit of your rearview mirror. I want to see you. your decapitated dead sister's body. <laughs> like that's what I want to see, and you're not fucking showing Show me the flailing body. Yeah, I, well, little did I know I was going to see all the bodies that I needed to later on in the <laughs> yeah. film. It's enough bodies to last me a lifetime, I fear. <laughs> yes, and it makes me feel better about myself as well, some of them. I but, know, right? I mean, we do see some of her. Gok Wan was behind all of that. <laughs> yeah, the sneering. Be like, okay, girls, take your clothes off. Oh, fabulous. That was, that was Gok Wan. Yeah, I don't know Gok Wan was from Kenya, <laughs> but was, yeah. Yeah, I know, take your clothes off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good one. But we do, we do get well, to see so. some of Charlie at some point, a couple of minutes later. Yeah, with her clothes on. Just yes. No head. Yes. Um, just, just a head. Just a head, yeah. And it's covered in ants mm. and her tongue's all splayed out across her face. Yeah, I found that bit really disturbing. What I found the most disturbing was the fact that he just drives the car home and goes to bed. Yeah. And you can hear say, Annie and Steve basically saying, oh, good, they're home now. Okay. He's very quickly, I heard it, and I was like, Oh no! Yeah. Where they kind of like, oh, our babies are safe, yeah, and he kind of just really like does like the slow march to doom, but just to his bedroom and just gets into bed, and then we and then the next shot is just again a tight close up of his face. We know Tony Klett's about to go to the car, and he just waiting for the moment. Yeah, it's very. I mean, like obviously, I've I've never killed my sister, so I don't know you what lived. your reaction. Well. Not too much. I've only done it once or twice, maybe. That's why I've only got brothers. She floated she... up to the treehouse afterwards. Yeah, she's attached to some old man's house right now. He wants to <laughs> go over to live his dream. But yeah, it was a really bizarre scene for me. I, I just thought, like, why would he do that? Like, that's not going to... It's like on The Fugitive where like running only makes you look guilty, but then like also doing nothing makes you look really guilty. Like it just what looks like you did yeah. it on purpose. Yeah. Like I can see why Tony Collette was so vexed at him. Because, you know, because he kind of like, you know, that must be, if he'd have come home and said, right, mum, dad, I've killed my sister. The police are on their way. But, you know, oh, I'm going to get some groceries. I'm going to go to the store. And then she just gets in the car and finds, oh, God. Just thinking about that. And I think that's what makes it so disturbing is the fact that Ariasta didn't show her find. We never actually saw anything, really. We just saw Mm -hmm. a wrapped up head. But 
There's no, like, there was nothing to see, was there? There was nothing. You just had to hear it all happen and be like, "Oh God, there's nothing I can do." Like yeah. we're not in control of this narrative. It's, um... It was like, but again, being a fly on the wall in Peter's bedroom at the moment where he knows something. He knows you can see his eyes start to twitch, almost like twitch, where he knows that his mother's about to go into the car, and we know it as well. We're just waiting for it to happen. But again, yeah, we don't see it, and the best horror films out there do that or the best directors can execute that well where it's that kind of yeah tell but don't show and I think he did well with this yeah yeah I think there's Hereditary is one of those films where it is really good and it does plenty to sort of disturb and bother and shock and it's quite outrageous but the ending was just so poor that the rest of that sort of pales in comparison a bit like i'd mm-hmm. love to see him handle a drama of some discrete like with obviously with horror elements in it but something a little bit more like if he'd have directed silence of the lambs Ooh. can you imagine how different that film i mean to be fair mm-hmm. i don't think you could do a much with better what job did it the then, yeah no but yeah, yeah point taken but, you know if he did something like that that's kind of like more like a, a gripping horror thriller yeah, yeah. i think it would be but i think he needs to get away from this grief cult shit that he keeps because <laughs> it's like it that, that that was kind of popular in the 70s and i don't want to speak for everybody but like it's been done like witchcraft isn't mm-hmm. this this whole idea of a cult and i guess you know it's very politically motivated and everything else but i'm just like i just want to see some virgins get hacked up <laughs> you know sorry <laughs> <laughs> the, the the zenith of cinema here yeah but sometimes that's what you need though Sometimes you just need a good slasher film to yeah. put things right. But, but this is what I wanted to... Like, like we've both said, this is the film I thought I needed two-thirds of the way in. And then that ending just stops it from being top tier for me. It, I still yeah. think Hereditary is a very good film on different levels, technical and actually storytelling and performances. But, man, even now, sitting in now, it's almost like we're kind of lamenting it, but like... What could have been, but I, I don't know. Don't ask me what they could have done with the ending to make it better. I don't know because again, I am a, I'm not a storyteller. I'm not a writer. Mm. But it had to have been something because the, the two thirds before, even like the seance stuff, where it started to sort of veer slightly more into like yeah, the the other world and the supernatural, it still felt worked for me because it it wasn't going mental. Like, it wasn't having things floating around the room then. It was just glasses moving. Okay, I can accept that. Because even then, you'd have someone like Gabriel Byrne was looking under the table. Is this real? To kind of... He was like the the cat us in those scenes where he's like, yeah. I'm not sure whether, whether I believe this or if this is some sort of elaborate hoax. Even that's fine. But, again, I know, I know guys, we sound like... Everybody out there, we sound like broken records. But generally disappointment at the ending because I so I can't speak for Bloggy, but I know for me, this film could have been something else had they nailed that and they just didn't. Did you did you um catch Midsommar? No, I I purposefully didn't catch it. Mm-hmm. I, I I I missed that one. <laughs> all about cults and all that. But, yeah. I mean like I yeah, I mean I know I know how it ends because I had someone sort of like give me chapter and verse on everything about Midsummer. So I know mm-hmm. everything about it. I just haven't actually seen it. But from what people have told me it's very much more of the same. You it go is. through this Raw emotional journey for very little satisfaction at the end. I mean, I think yeah. I think this Midsummer is probably more mature in the way that it deals with grief and the sort of I don't know the um, 
the implications of what grief, how grief and horror kind of intertwine mm-hmm. a lot. But other for a psychoanalysis, I don't think I would sort of sit down and be like, "Yay, Midsummer!" Like, mm-hmm. oh, I think I, I think I'd rather watch something like. I don't know, like, cause it, you know, films that deal with grief, like the Babadook's an absolutely brilliant example of how you can, you can deal with something that's extremely real and, and is a, a fear for people and yet still make it into a horror film that is Effective, graspable, yeah. tangible, like, yeah, it makes sense. It's not, it, and I think the fact that I've read interviews where Astor's been like, oh yeah, I perhaps really like didn't want to give too much away. And I'm like, all right, Stanley Kubrick, like, can you just <laughs> tell me what this means so I can sleep at night? That's really. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I thought, no, I think Midsummer is, well, have you say, is, I've heard people say Midsummer, Midsummer, people say. So I'm stuck in the middle. I've got Midsummer. I thought it was, Mid- I thought it was decent. It, you're right. It does handle grief in a more mature way, even though, like, the story dictates that they, go to do a thesis in the, the most remote area of Sweden, of course. But um, yeah. Florence Pugh is magnificent in it, but she's, I think she's, the, she's my, one of my favourite working actresses. She's magnificent. She's very good in it, but it is very similar. Yeah, you get the trauma. This time it's, at the, again, 20 minutes into the film, which shapes the character. And then, obviously, it's, it's dealt with differently because the characters are different, their motivations are different, and the group are different. But it ends in a very similar way. It kind of ends in a way where you're like, so what now? Or it's yeah. it's led to this. There are certain parts at the end are more satisfying this time around, but of Midsummer. But you, you do kind of end up thinking it was good and it's arty and it's you know it's great to look at and there are some like big gut punches in it. But you know any any kind of like okay why? But I don't know. Maybe I'm just misreading it. But uh, that is a film I did enjoy. I think uh, I don't know if I liked it more than this or not. Hereditary is more of my kind of film just because almost like the setting, like the kind of almost like haunted house type thing almost. But um, yeah. the other film's good. But I think what Ari Aster has done is he's set himself out as a as a, a filmmaker who knows how to how to make a film. He can craft a film very well. He can make yeah. a film look beautiful. He can put visual nods in. Like in Midsummer, there's loads of like hidden imagery, which is haunting when you rewatch it, which you just don't see. It's just there and it's like, oh, that's actually terrifying. But it just needs to stick the landing. Mid, I think Midsummer's got a better ending than this has. It's not. It's. Oh, okay. It's not as far fetched in context to the stress of the story. Obviously, if you had to explain it to somebody, you'd be like, "What the fuck?" But whereas this kind of almost takes like a one eighty and, and it starts veering into headless bodies floating around and and naked bums in the air. Midsummer is. It's 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 more in keeping with the tone of the story. And that's why I think I prefer. I much prefer that ending as well. So uh, it's worth a watch. But I think yeah, you're right. Unless unless you're going to like proper analyze it and go deep into it, I wouldn't put it too highly on the list now. But that said, I am quite looking forward to whatever Ariaster comes up with next because I'm wondering if he goes for something different or this is his kind of wheelhouse now. Yeah, it would be interesting to see like what he does and whether he does kind of go a little bit more mainstream. Mm-hmm. I'd love to see him and James, uh, is it James Wan, mm-hmm. the guy that did mm-hmm. The Conjuring and all that lot. Yeah. I'd love to see them two come together because James, James Wan's kind of lost it yeah, he, now he, a bit, he hasn't it. he? Yeah, um, regardless of how much money Aquaman made. Yeah, well, we won't talk about that either. Mm. But mm. I think that if Wan and, and Asta came together, 
to make a horror film, like, fuck, that would be magical. I think it would be. With Sam Raimi as the producer, Ooh. like, come on. This is like a wet dream here. That would, yeah, it would be a naughty film, wouldn't yeah, this it? Is like, yeah, this is like pants gurgling. I, yeah. We just won't let Stephen King write the ending. Don't let Stephen King or Ari Aster write the ending either. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, to take, give, give them a lower budget so they've only got their their talent to work with rather than a big old overblown budget. I think you're right. I think you could see something with Ariaster's technical ability, and let's not he he he, he can craft a good story. And with yeah, James Wan's can. more contemporary leanings, I think you could actually take something pretty spicy out of that. Yeah, I think you could. I think it would be a perfect blend of kind of like what people seem to be really divided between, like having a horror film that has got substance mm-hmm. and a horror film that's got scares. And for some reason, people can't seem to put the two together yeah. in the way that well, The Exorcist did. I yeah. suppose that was that was a scary film. It's still a scary film. Like I, I don't think that Hereditary in five years people are not going to care about it. Well, that's it, isn't it? That's the kind of like the litmus test. Is it's only been a year, about like fifteen months since it came out, and people remember it for the for the the cast scene. But yeah. I don't really see it getting spoken about. And again, I'm not the barometer here, as maybe you aren't or some other people aren't, but I don't see it online, on Twitter, on Instagram, or on movie forums or anywhere. I don't really see people talking about it too much anymore. Whereas films which have had a longer time to marinate, to be in the zeitgeist, not just films in the 70s, but even like even ones from like a few years ago. I mean, The Babadook, I hear more about that than I do hereditary and i mean that was only well it was a good few years before but not that long was it 2011 something like that yeah so it was only a few, yeah. four, about five six years before so but yeah i think you're right in in five years time i'll be interested to see how people speak about this and astor's uh, and maybe even like midsummer because that's only a year later so this year so I'll be interested to see how they hold up yeah i'll be interested to see what he does next but you'll see one of those tweets but Someone would be like, oh, can we? Can I please just remind you all that Tony Collette was in Hereditary and she was brilliant? Yeah, that's and what it would be. Like, it will go viral and you'll be like, fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> that's all it takes. But she was. Oh, I could have wrote that tweet. It will try it. Do it. Oh, do well. it now. Do it after the show, actually. No, be, be it's, too, it's too fresh now. It's too fresh in people's minds now. Right, November well, 19th, I'll leave it for five years. 2024. We'll come yeah. back to this conversation. Tickety-boo. We were, and I like the soundtrack. I thought that was pretty good. It was, uh, well, again, wasn't, oh, like, same as Crawl, it wasn't overly in your face. At times it got louder, but it was never kind of, uh, it was never quite loud, quiet for the sake of it, like the old grunge yeah. tone. It, I thought the soundtrack was actually really good. And towards the end, it's almost like, almost upbeat towards yeah. the end. And it was just really yeah. unsettling. Yeah, it's got that whole like Tiny Tim tiptoe through the tulips yeah. vibes going on, hasn't it? It's like walking <laughs> yeah. up to the treehouse. It's, like, tree house, it's, and like, it's like bells and whistles and stuff like that and all that. And then she floats. Yeah. This is when she floats, yeah, before that. Yeah. Up she goes. Naked old ladies. So, yeah, that's going to be the audiogram for this show. Yep. Yep, brilliant. Done. <laughs> no, yeah, I can't. I can't remember for the life of me. Excuse my ignorance, but I can't remember who composed the soundtrack. But I think they did. I think they did a pretty decent job. <laughs> you, yes, me. it was you. After <laughs> the taking the fat, the mask did off the Did you not phantom. hear? Did you not just hear? Well, the beautiful soundtrack that I just created. I did, but it, it sounded better over the phone than it did on on the TV. So obviously they must have mixed it. It got lost in the mix. Yeah. <laughs> well. 
He said that, well, <laughs> Colin Stetson, his name was, a.k.a. Bloggy Balboa. Colin Stetson? Yeah. Yeehaw! Why do I know? <laughs> oh, yeah, of course, I was like, I know that name. <laughs> Stetson. Uh, I don't know what else he's done, but um, his Google picture is just him blowing a massive saxophone, which is quite hilarious. Okay. It's just a massive... <laughs> saxophone. Massive, yeah. He's, he's just like, <laughs> properly, he's, he's in a, not quite, he's bearded in a vest, sweating, just... Absolutely wailing on this microphone, uh, saxophone. Oh but... my god, is he the saxogram, saxy saxo guy from um, Mr. Saxo Beat? From how many Lost sounds are you going to say saxo? <laughs> <laughs> is he the Citroen saxo from the Lost Boys? Um, I have no idea. Oh, okay. Well, that that conversation went down like an balloon, didn't it? It did. <laughs> it went down like a non-floating Tony Collette. Yeah, went down like the deflated Collette. <laughs> <laughs> no, he wasn't. He could, but then, but to 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 humour you, he might have been. Fuck off, was he? <laughs> yeah, it was. His IMDb says it. The saxo no! saxophone saxo go. No, no, are you lying to me? Yeah, you are, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, I am. <laughs> I didn't get that I'm far. Really excited then. Sorry, oh. I didn't get okay. that far if it was him or not. But I know it looks like he scored Red Dead Redemption and the Rover, which is a bloody good well, Robert I'll Pattinson tell you performance. What. I still believe. That's all I've got to say. I still believe. And on that note, yeah. thanks for listening, guys. <laughs> <That was it. laughs> oh, well, we, we have fun. Um, right, Hereditary. Anything else before we move on to anything else about this film? Because I right. think we've done, I, I do believe we've done quite a good job of balancing this out because we haven't just said it was shit. We haven't said it was amazing. It's kind of been, you know, teetering half and half. I think we've done we've said what we liked about it and we've said what we didn't like about it and I think we've been fairly objectionable. I th- yeah, I think so. I think we've been diplomatic. Yeah. It was shit. Because um... <laughs> I thought it was okay. <laughs> I thought it was very okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess shit's quite... It was crap. <laughs> yeah, more PG-13, please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, there was a good shot of Annie when she's cutting her head off. Let me finish. Um, she looks a lot like Sissy Spacek. Made me think of Carrie. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Big old big eyes. Um... It's really can't really think about many more. I mean, there's loads of things. Some of the things, another thing I didn't. One of the things I didn't like actually was when Peter is Peter is in class and he he looks at his reflection and it's smiling back at him. I thought that was mm-hmm. too kind of like Slender Man for me. And that's the second time in two shows I mentioned that film. But it was that kind of like Truth or Dare, where it's like it's too modern. I didn't like it. The fact that he's he's looking all grief stricken, but he looks at his reflection and it's just grinning back at him. I think well, I don't find that scary in the slightest or unsettling. I didn't is like that it. because his, his mum says that she's like, oh yeah, you're always like sneering at me? I think so, probably, yeah. Um, or, or it's, so or it's it a that show that actually... there's an influence within him which is actually controlling him. It's me, yeah, it doesn't make any sense. No, Let's not try to yeah. analyse it too much. No, I just didn't. I don't like when when this film, which, like you said, was kind of rooted in, like, in the vintage era, if you were the throwback days of horror, when they add, incorporated these more modern elements like the people floating like that shot of him uh, laughing at himself, it, I thought it just it, they didn't merge well. It, it it didn't. I didn't like it too much. And but there's other things that there. But there was plenty that I did like, like when um it was a dream sequence. But when Tony Collette says to Alex Wolf's character, "I never wanted to be your mother," and he puts a yeah. hand over her mouth. That was another scene in the cinema where people were just like, "Oh my god!" And then you kind of think at the end of it, like it was a dream, but it was uh, it was it was still quite fairly powerful. Yeah, it was mad, and the and the bit where he walks in and she's made a miniature of 
the yeah. kid. I think Gabriel Byrne did a belt, a great job of that. Yeah, he just goes, oh, for fuck's sake. Yeah. I've made <laughs> dinner, come down, I don't give a shit if you want it or not. It's pretty much what he said. Yeah, it is basically what he said. Yeah. He's like, oh, I'm going to make dinner. He's like, oh, I made dinner. <laughs> Eat everyone, I don't care anymore. But yeah, it's, why would, why, why would you make a miniature of that? Yeah, because there's also that really... The most disturbing bit in Hereditary is that miniature that she makes of her mum trying to breastfeed her kid. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh no. no thanks. Because she said her mum got her claws into the kid because um, yeah, yeah. there was that no contact with Peter. But when Charlie was born, yeah, she allowed her mother back into her life and... Oh, yeah. And she tried to make her into a boy as well. That's it. She wanted her to be a boy. That's right, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no... I mean, uh, what did you think of the dollhouse metaphor? Because, like you said, it's kind of like um, Annie was trying to control things in the with the way she was building these dollhouses and in creating them. And then, and then, if you want to look further into it, the cult was controlling them apparently all along. So, were they a doll's house within a doll's house and all that? But what did you think of that kind of visual metaphor? I think well, the first time that I watched it, I. That was one bit that really griped me because I was like, the doll's house bit was never expanded on and it was never, it was just, you know, there. Because it kind of like made you think that the mum was going to be the one that was haunting them and that maybe some things in her doll's house were going to come to life. You weren't really sure what to expect, but I think on second watch it is really obvious that the doll's house, because then there's a lot of scenes where like, he zooms in on the doll's house and then it becomes apparent that you're zooming in on the family. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of... The framing was... was, was yeah. Such, yeah. But I also, like... I feel like it was a bit of a half-baked metaphor because there's not... Like, it, it is about control and it's about, you know, how that you can... Everything can be kind of, like, perfect and placed and as it should be, but it can still get completely destroyed. Like, when she just... She just goes in and brucks it all, doesn't she? Because she's angry. Yeah, she um, brucks it all. She brucks up her own artwork. But <laughs> it's all just a bit strange. Because I noticed as well that there's there's miniatures all around the house. Yes. Like, So there's one, as she goes to bring them downstairs for the seance, it shows you this big house with all different layers of earth and all different layers underneath it. And that was what more and more made me think, like, no, hereditary is about stuff that's passed through your family mm-hmm. Not like demons, but like demons, you know, like your emotional, yeah, Yeah, like because all this, you know, Gabriel Byrne's family doesn't isn't anywhere to be seen, and you kind of think, well, maybe if they were, the rest of you would be a little bit more normal, but they seem to all be sort of tied up with Tony Collette and her family, Mm -hmm. and they're clearly a bunch of wrongins, aren't they? Well, they're all a bunch of devil worshippers, fiends, devil worshippers, yeah. I don't, yeah, I think the, the doll's house metaphor, it's there and it's good, but I think it's not, there are other metaphors that could have, I think the metaphor was clunkily placed, but I think that he's admitted that he did a lot of that anyway to just confuse the shit out of people, like with the sleepwalking, it's not really, there's not really anything about that that's anything, it's just, oh yeah, she sleepwalks, I did it mm-hmm. to throw you off a bit. Just, just, yeah, threw it in there, for, yeah. Yeah. No, it's fair enough. Yeah. A couple of other things I didn't like was Charlie when she eats, she gets food or food all around her mouth, which is one of my pet peeves. Just you know, <laughs> wipe your mouth, please. For some reason, like towards the end of the film, when um, Anne Dow's character, who's called Joan, she's shouting at Peter across across the. Uh, he's eating his lunch at school outside, 
and she's across the road shouting, Peter, I expel you, I expel you. And they start shouting in like this foreign tongue. And it just oh, yeah. felt a bit stupid, to be honest. And he's looking around like, can anybody else see this fucking weirdo? But it just felt a bit odd. Well, did I like uh, the scenes, in, again, the scenes in the um, the grief counselling therapy sessions where Tony Collette gets a chance to act when she's talking about her family. That's where we get a few more, few more clues as to how messed up her lineage actually is. I, yeah. I really I really enjoyed that. The bits with Charlie when she cuts the pigeon's head off just because it it sets the tone up for where I thought the film was going to go. Be like, just be like completely like oddball the whole way through and that Charlie was going to be the focus. Obviously turns out that she wasn't. And yeah, the frame, like I say, like when the way that the film was actually shot on set, because I read that they, they could, they built the house so they could remove the walls so they could film where, however and wherever they wanted with any kind of technique. A lot of, some of the long shots just looked like you were watching the doll's house, basically. So I thought that was clever and visually not appealing but yeah i don't think the actual metaphor was that good and i i'm pretty much an advocate of if it doesn't really go anywhere then sod it basically then don't put it in i would rather watch a film and again i know it may sound conceited or pretentious but i'd rather watch a film where everything kind of matters i get we have red herrings and loose ends that's slightly different but like purpose like you mentioned just how purposely putting things in like the sleepwalking that is just there just to throw people off for no reason Mm. yeah I think to throw people off an already sort of half baked idea. Yeah, as well. I just think. A bit like, uh... I think mm. the and then the the seance scene when when Annie takes on well she starts speaking like Charlie. I thought that was pretty freaky to watch because obviously everybody's going mental around them and it's the yeah. way Tony Collette sells the performance because it, you do think hmm, this voice coming out of your face does look a bit odd that face on your face but I think she <laughs> she sells it well and I I think. I had another actress come in, not to say nobody else couldn't have done it, but had somebody else come in and not given as much as Tony Glett did, the film doesn't work, I don't think. Or had Tony Glett not bought her 100% A-game, the film doesn't work, I don't think. It only works, doesn't only, one of the main reasons it works is because of her performance, because otherwise it could have been quite bad if you had somebody in there who couldn't quite pull this off. Can you imagine, yeah, can you imagine the, the table scene, the dinner table scene, with somebody who wasn't quite as you know, in that moment, it could have just been a bit clangy. Yeah, it could have gone so wrong. Yeah, some of the, a lot of the scenes could have been a bit, mm, but I think Tony Collette was by far the best part of the film, and I think it actually saves the film in a lot of a lot of times, apart from when she floats into the treehouse. <laughs> yeah, apart from that bit, she um she pretty much holds the whole film together. Yeah. So, yeah, kudos to Tony Collette for making Hereditary bearable. <laughs> you, said that with, you said that with a sneer and, a, and like a sigh. But, all right, before we move on to our fun little news section, you, Bloggy, Elizabeth, best part of Hereditary, worst part of Hereditary? Best part of Hereditary is the dinner scene mm-hmm. and the worst part of Hereditary is the floating. <laughs> the float was towards the, the floater. end. The <laughs> floater. <laughs> That's Tony Floater Collette. Uh, I think I'm inclined to agree with you. Any any time when Tony Collette or everybody in the film gets a chance just to sit down or stand up and just act without any of the other supernatural stuff going on, it's the best part. But that ending is one of the most disappointing endings I've seen to a film in a long time because I was really digging what came before. Again, yeah. anybody out there, if you really did dig the ending, let us know why. Because, again, we're not trying to shit on it to tell you you're wrong for liking it. 
we'd we'd love to hear what you think about it, and we'd love to hear you talk, even like debunk what we've been saying. So that's the best part of film. We just want to have a nice conversation. So thumbs up or a thumbs down? Can I can I do a thumb in the middle, but sort of slightly more towards down? Of course you can. Yeah, it's in the middle, but more towards down. Okay, I think a better way a better way of putting that is if somebody said if somebody asked you, would you recommend watching this tonight? What are you going to say? No. Fair enough. I'd say yes, but that's the beauty of this show. No, I'd say um, I'd say you know watch um, watch anything, <laughs> watch anything other than Hereditary. This is Brown's but, Boys. Like we watch, yeah, that shit. You can watch that. Um, no, I, no, I'm being harsh. I mean, no, I. I but honest. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I would tell people not to watch it. That's fair enough. No. They would. They wouldn't listen to me though, because no one ever fucking listens to me. It's the story of my life. But you, you go and watch it. You see what happens. Will I listen to you? Thanks, dude. That's all right. I have to because we're on the show together. But <laughs> yeah, as soon exactly. as the show finishes, <laughs> Elizabeth, who? Yeah, <laughs> that's not the case. Uh, right, Hereditary. I would recommend it to people to go and see just for the first two thirds of it, and also to try and make sense of that arse ending. So we've got something new for Death by Pod. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to show us up as the fiends that we are. But hey, scheme as a lot of us. It's a little game we're going to play every week. It's going to alternate where it's all horror based. We're going to take turns asking each other questions about a specific uh, theme. And this week, the theme is horror movie quotes. Bloggy's going to provide me with three horror movie quotes, and I've got to try and get them. Two points for a correct answer. Got about 10 seconds to answer. And then I'm going to provide Bloggy with three uh, horror movie quotes. Same rules apply. Two points per answer. 10 seconds as well. And then um, the next show, we're going to do something different show after as well. So here we go, Bloggy, for the first ever Death by Pod horror movie quote game. Show me up, girl. All right. I've done, I've done, I've done the first lot easy. I've done like the first two easy, and then I've done the last one is a bit harder. I think I've done I the same. I hope that's okay. That's fine. Yeah, right. I think I've done the same, so go for it. I'm scared. Okay. Your first quote is, I'm your boyfriend now, Nancy. Oh, um, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Yes. Yes, the first one. My voice. <laughs> yeah. Yes. It's because you sounded so much like Robert England. Yeah, exactly. George, I'm your boyfriend now, Nancy. That was good. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so the second one is, when the music stops, you'll see him in the mirror standing behind you. Oh shit. Um. Oh god, Candyman. I can't, no. I can't think. No, I'm out. The Conjuring. Oh. When the music of stops, you'll see him in the mirror standing it. behind It's the you. music box, isn't it? Yes. It. And you do see him. What a candy man. That's when they say his name five times, isn't it? <laughs> You're looking for candy man, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, two, one out of two. I've got two points. Now comes the one, I, the tough one. The tough one is Cowardy Cowardy Custard. Ah. <laughs> 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 uh. Cowardy, cowardy custard. Do you want me to say it with inflection? Yeah, go on. Cowardy, cowardy custard. Cowardy, cowardy custard. Nope, didn't help. I'm going to have a stab in the dark, which is what we do on this yeah. show. I've literally got no idea. Cowardy, cowardy custard. Um, one of the Evil Dead films. No, it was The Others, starring Nicole Kidman. Oh, no. that's a film <laughs> no. I haven't seen since about 2001. <laughs> That's why it's hard. Cowardy, 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 cow
cowardly <laughs> cowardly custard. The little girl like calls her little brother a cowardly custard, and she starts taunting him oh. with this horrible rhyme, where she just goes cowardly cowardly custard. You, you would be like, shut up, girl. If somebody yeah. said that to you, wouldn't you? Uh, right, well, two points for me out of six, guys. How did you get on? Let us yeah. know. Did you it's... put me to shame? Uh, I'm glad I got one right though. You did. There's probably one more than I'm going to get. So right. Well, I, no. I think I think you'll do. Quite, I think you'll do quite well. I, have you been nicer than I am? I, I, <laughs> I think the first two are. I think they're, they they lean more to the easy side. The third one, it well, depends. It depends how well you know the film. Um, are you ready, Bloggy Balboa? I was born ready. Oh, dead, dead, dead. Question one. Question one. Movie quote one. I'm your number one fan. Oh, misery! Yes, yes, yes. Right after this is this is where I fell down now. <laughs> Movie quote number two. They're all gonna laugh at you. Carrie. Fuck's sake! I made this too easy. Yes. Oh, no. Sorry, sorry. I mean. Yay! Sore loser. <laughs> yeah, cock. Um, okay, horror movie quote number three. <clears throat> and I quote: "I should warn you, princess. The first time gets a little messy." Oh, is that Nightmare on Elm Street as well? You're on the right track. I'll give you that. Oh, is it Scream? No. Is that your final answer? <laughs> yeah. Freddy versus Jason. Oh, of course. I like how you got the not the, the you got the Freddy part right, kind of. Is that the bit where he kills um Rose? Not Rose. Yeah, Rose McGowan. She's in. She's in Freddy vs. Jason, isn't she? No, not Freddy. Not from Destiny's Rose Child. Kelly, Kelly, Kelly Rowland. Oh, not Kelly Rowland, yes, she gets her nose flicked off, yeah. Yeah, is that her? Probably. Does he say it to her? Possibly. I don't I remember the film. I just looked it up online. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I just looked up a horror movie quote, like hard movie quotes, and that came up. I was like, good, I would never have got that. Well, at the end of the first game, Bloggy takes a win. Shit, I do feel quite bad about that now. Should I? Do you want? Do you want me to give you like a bonus one? No, it's all right. I, I'll, I'll take. I'll take the the loss first up. It's that conjuring yeah. one. I couldn't think because as soon as soon as you did it, said it, I could picture it in my head. It's the music box, and then yeah, it, it appears behind <laughs> Emily. Wasn't not Emily? Vera Farmiga's character, and it's like ah. So it's, now I remember it, but I t- I'll take the defeat on the chin. Okay, I quite enjoyed that. I enjoyed it too. I enjoyed it too. What's, 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 <laughs> yeah, well done. Yeah, what's next week's one? What we, or next time's one? What are we going to go for? Um, uh, we should go for a film that's really good. Uh, uh, oh, Gerald's Game. Yeah, sorry, I couldn't remember. Good shout. Speaking of Stephen King films, Gerald's <laughs> Game. So Gerald's Game. For those out of you listening, the Death by Podders. The last week we spoke about Crawl, and that was Elizabeth's shout. I went with Hereditary, partly because I just wanted to rewatch it again, because the first time I saw it was a bad experience. And uh, yeah, Bloggy's gone for Gerald's Game for this time around as well. So I'm looking forward to rewatching that. I have seen it, but I'm interested and quite excited to see what Elizabeth has to say about it. Gerald's Gum. <laughs> Gerald's Gum. Uh, and we can talk about <laughs> and we can talk about another Stephen King ending for better or worse next time around. But yeah, so that was that was Hereditary. I I liked it more than Elizabeth did. In fact, I recommended it, whereas Elizabeth didn't. And the game, how did you guys do? Did you get three out of three both times? Did you suck like me? Or did you, or you're a winner? Did you have the eye of the tiger like Elizabeth? Do let us know, though, guys. And if you have any ideas for any games as well, if you have any kind of wild themes, let us know as well. 
Yeah, I'm all ears. I want to hear about the games. Yep, and if it all... anything that involves a floating Tony Collette as well. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, if you, if you, homework <laughs> for you guys: films where people float, game ideas, and get Enya into our DMs. Uh, that's what we're asking you to do this time around. But um, yeah, we'll be back next time. We're going to speak about Gerald's game, and I'm quite looking forward to that, as I've said already. But that is that for this episode of Death by Pod Hereditary. Thank you once again to Elizabeth for joining me and giving you time. It's no problem. <laughs> yeah, thank you. It's the best, oh. the best co-host I could ask for. However, thank you very much. If until <laughs> oh, thank you very much. Until the next show, if people want to listen to you or hear you or or read you, well, why wouldn't they? Where can they? You can well, you can read me uh, at Bloggy Balboa on WordPress, which you can just find by typing it into the Googles, and you can find me on Twitter by that name. And that's it. Unless you find my personal Instagram, in which case, I can't. <laughs> Please. You're in for a treat. Yeah, you're in for a lot of food pics. Yeah, that's it, yeah. Watch it, beware. You're in for a scare. I think R.L. Stein kind of said once before. Yeah. Something that's like right. that. Yeah, go check out Bloggy's work. I, I applaud you to now. Uh, if you want to find my work, or just me, it's whatiwatchtonight.co.uk. Rotten Tomatoes as well. You'll see my face on there. And Why wouldn't you want to see that? Uh, and Twitter and Instagram as well, what I watched tonight. So uh, check us out on there. But until next time, though, from me, it's Sia, and from Elizabeth. It's bye-bye. <laughs>